Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Resisting Gilead. Today, we are going to be talking about season four, episode two, titled Nightshade. And again, I have as my co-host, W. Axel Foley. Thanks for joining me for round two, Axel. I really appreciate it. Wow. You're welcome, Gina. It's been a long time since we recorded the last episode. <laughs> and um, I've changed a lot, so I'm ready I to- I know. So much to talk about since the last five minutes ago. <laughs> okay, so why don't we start off talking about Rita? And I think that's really kind of where this episode begins. We see Luke talking at this event and he brings Rita up on stage to talk about June and, and her heroism. And, you know, it's interesting. I've been wondering how Rita will adapt to Gilead and just kind of from my observations, it's like, okay, I think Rita was a pretty religious person before Gilead even. And, you know, she's dressed very conservatively. She talks about how she's praying for June. Um, you know, I don't know. What, what do you think? I kind of thought she might be a little more hip once she got out because she was, you know, always kind of started to tell, you know, say, oh, June, you're such a badass for putting this plan together. You know, she, she kind of maybe that's just a comfort level with her knowing June. I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, I love the character and I love the growth that we've seen. And they, the things that they hinted at very early have now blossomed into something different, right? And something that um, a person who wanted to be free, but still wants to keep her beliefs. Yeah. I think that's fascinating. Um, you know, I'm not a religious person, so it's easy for me to take the side of saying, you know, like, bad religion, she should hate all religion now. <laughs> I can also, as a person who was once religious, I can understand her point of view, which is, well, I just believe in a different, it might sound the same, but it's different. You right. know? So um, it's not the same at all to her. And I, I appreciate the fact that they, and even like, you know, every once in a while, someone just look at her, <laughs> you know, when she's like blessed and kind of using that language still. Yeah. And, I think uh, that is a very natural thing. And this whole idea in this, with her in this episode of missing the abuse, missing the abuser, or even perhaps not recognizing that it was abuse and not, and feeling strange when it's gone is a well, very good thing. Yeah. Well, I think with, you know, I think, it makes me just think she was probably praying in Gilead the whole time and even praying for a way to get out. And, you know, she was the one that came out up with the idea to get June and the baby out the first time, it seems like, and she tapped into the network. And, you know, I think if she was praying, it wasn't to the, it wasn't to Gilead's God, you know, it was, you know, she, she could have been just a conservative, kind of a conservative Christian before. And, because she had, you know, had a good record and, you know, it showed she went to church and, you know, I guess she had been, well, you know, it's hard to tell, right? Because Beth had said once, Martha's are sinners too, or to so they tell us, you know, we really don't know anything about Rita other than she had a son that died in the war and we don't know what side he fought on and we don't know if she was ever married. So it's, you know, I think she's a bit of a mystery. Um, but the thing that I do believe, like she says, 
you know, it's a gift I got out. Um, and she says that to Moira and I hope Moira really hears that because I think, you know, I, I took some issue with Moira later and we'll get to that, but, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it is very interesting. And, you know, I think what's also, you know, I think she's struggling to find her place a little bit too. She's, you know, probably in, in shock really. Um, and I think Emily was for a while afterwards, uh, once she got out, but, um, yeah, you, know. I, you said about with Moira, cause I think that, I don't know, saying that I'm, I'm blessed or, uh, what, what word did she use? Lucky or what was the word she used? Um, well, I think she said, I, I she's like, it's a, a, it's gift. a gift. It's a gift that I'm no That's longer there. Good thing to say in a sense, right? Because it's like saying um, that a life of not being abused is <laughs> something you should, is a gift. No, that's life. That's how it should well, be. Well, I mean, I think the rescue is, you know. Right. No, I understand. Yeah. But, yeah. Brought that up. <laughs> like when she said that, I had this, I thought that that was a really interesting way they wrote that line because it brings up the idea of someone of her, of uh, me totally seeing why she said that and, and saying, that's, I agree. Mm -hmm. and other side of me saying, that's kind of like almost like a slave mentality. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, but you know, five years, it, it's um, and like one of the very early episodes June says something about my mother always said women are so adaptable and you know I think it's true for both you know the handmaids at first and and read it at first it's like this is what you want to do if, if you want to live right um and um yeah it, yeah it is messed up but they've been brainwashed for five years living in a messed up society and I think along the way you know I think that's the thing about Gilead is that it, you know, it, it conditioned people at first, but then it also started breaking them down in, in a way. And, and, you know, Rita said, you know, Gilead brings out the worst in a lot of people, but it brought out the best in June. And I think it very much has been two camps. I think the people that have been in power for the most part, it's brought out the very worst in them. How much can they get away with? How much can they rape and abuse and take advantage of situations and with those who've been oppressed it's like you know how can we how can we get out of this you know how can we make a difference and make someone's life better um yeah so it's it's very yeah, it is really interesting it's like what does it take to get you to be one of those people that's going to stand up for someone else and i think that even goes back to one of the really early episodes with with june and emily when Emily's talking about May Day and June's like, well, I, I, I'm not really one of those people, you know, to get involved in that. And, and Emily says no one is until they have to be. And, you know, I think that kind of sums up the whole, I don't know, just kind of the whole how this place transforms people and how we've kind of gotten to this point with June too. She always had them crazy eyes. <laughs> Who had the crazy eyes? 
June, Elizabeth Moss. Well, she does have... <laughs> I mean, I think Crazy Eyes and I think Ramona Singer, but <laughs> you're right. It's <laughs> true. It's yeah, uh, yeah, different kind. But, um, you know, kind of in Rita and Moira are intermingled in this because, um, in this episode, because Moira's kind of taken on this role as a social worker. Um, you know, she's, she's going over, she talks about having to clean up June's messes, which pisses me off because I'm like, oh, her messes, like the times that she helped the two times she helped people escape from Gilead. Those are her messes. I don't know. What did, what did you think about that? I knew that's what you were talking about when you said earlier, I have to take issue. With yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I understood again, it's they they really are great at doing this. I understood it, but I also felt a little pushback in myself too but um you know i mean hell the grass is always greener i think she was just she misses her and i think they're yeah. still upset that she wasn't on the plane and i think they're still a little bit like you know you could be upset at somebody for doing something great but they're not there being with you you know and that's true I yeah think i think she just feels a little still maybe even a little rejected like hey come on we were supposed to be doing this stuff together too mm -hmm. like we need you but yeah the fact is she's needed over there so i think it's just a natural human response but yeah. um yeah and, where and, but and she did, she did say she had survivor's guilt right and, which is that's fair too but um I love yeah. her character. And I love to see her with a new love and happy. And, and I just, I thought that that was, that made me feel really good because I mean, let's not forget what she has gone through. And I don't know that I ever thought that she would be happy like that, you know? And I, right. I like, they're showing that. And, and I was particularly happy that this episode of her girlfriend didn't mysteriously die or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Well, hopefully we'll avoid some of the tragedy now that we're in Canada. But um but it's like honestly, think about it. When have we ever seen a healthy relationship in this entire show? Uh, so might be the first one. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe june and luke in flat in some flashbacks free, free, yeah definitely. yeah but um yeah not not in post gilead i mean and we still haven't seen emily with her wife this season yet and who knows how that's going but i kind of gauge just on how emily's observing moira with this you know new girlfriend that perhaps it's not going that great because True. she looked kind of sad and longing in a way <clears throat> she did she did. She looked um yeah. She looked like she was well, you know. Yeah. God, what she's been through. So right. I still wonder. Does she have cancer? I always wonder about that. Didn't everybody get cancer when they were sent out there? Um you know, um she I don't think she does because she had that physical when she 
got out of Gilead. I remember, I don't know if you remember, she was sitting down with a the doctor. They were talking about the cartilage in her ear healing where she had her tag and um, they were talking about how much they wanted to see her, that her cholesterol was a little high, but um, they didn't say anything about cancer. I don't know if she was long enough there. She was there long enough to have the radiation really impact her. I mean, she did have a tooth fallout, um, which has got to be scary, but... Um, no, that's like the ultimate TV and film. Like, whenever you get, it's like space stuff too. Like, whenever there's like radiation, mm. times it's like you're dead in two minutes. Sometimes you're gonna get cancer when you're sixty. Sometimes you get it in a few years. You never know. It's like it's it's a hard thing. That whole that always when we were thinking when I was thinking about doing this pod with you, it was like I gotta ask Gina how many people have cancer that were there. <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't. Yeah. It still confuses me. Because I felt like it was a death sentence to even be there. Like, I felt like they all were going to get cancer. So, I mean, and, you know, they still might some way down the road from having that exposure, although you would think it would happen sooner. But then I also think how maybe they just weren't there long enough in the scope of time because they brought so many handmaids back from that camp to then try to have children, which I would think, you know, that type of exposure can't really be good if it you know if it can kill you it can't be good for your reproductive system either but yeah um i, I think she's okay for now um but who knows right who knows what what will happen in time but um maybe that's it maybe she's got cancer that's why she's sad <laughs> okay let's jump to conclusion <laughs> i don't know <laughs> existing theory cast it is Handmaid's Tale theory cast. But you know what I do think, and I think this was actually like a really nice way to cut for kind of Moira to get over her, I don't know, June madness, pity party, whatever, is having to deal with this kid that they've removed from Gilead who's not liking freedom. <laughs> like, you know, he, he, he hates it. He, he misses Gilead. He misses his mother. He misses the food. Like, he doesn't want junky pizza or chicken fingers or butter noodles. Like, you know, all the foods that kids are like guaranteed to eat, he won't touch it, which I kind of found hilarious. But um, Moira had that great idea to bring over Rita. And I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of great. Like this could be a role for Rita to help kids readjust and help families with some of the food stuff. And, you know, because she's she's been there and she's an adult that doesn't want to be there but can still relate to these kids in a way i thought that was a brilliant idea i loved this i loved everything with moira i think it shows us hope and um a happy rebirth not in blood but in love and understanding and empathy and the idea that she could help both of these people mm. right yeah because what they wanted was not gilead they just wanted the security and the thing that gilead is so good at is manipulating the person with the sense of love family and security right mm -hmm. so in order to show them no, you can have these things, but in a healthy way, I think was really pretty brilliant. And um, for her being so pissed 
at um, when she got pissed at June, I was thinking, oh man, what's this episode going to be about? Her getting so pissed at June, she fucks up her life in Canada. <laughs> and the opposite. Mm-hmm. It was the opposite. Yeah. She did fuck up her life in Canada. It's almost like she had a realization after she said that survivor's guilt and everything. And she was able to process and do something beneficial, healthy, and loving for other yeah. people. And yeah. Like this season, I'm saying something nice about The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> you feel great. Well, and I think it was also good. Like she found a solution within the mess, right? Um, she found a solution within the mess June left her to unmess to make it a little less messy, which, um, you know, I think uh, I thought was, you know, really good too. And clearly she felt good because then she went over and saw her girlfriend and, you know, brought her pad thai and they ate on the steps, which was super cute. Um, and I was just waiting for something to happen. Let me tell you, Gina, I thought a bomb was going to drop out <laughs> of the sky. The cab was going to explode. Uh, I thought they lift and shoot them with a machine gun. See how Gilead happen. has brainwashed you? See? <laughs> oh. Of the show not giving up on the cycle of trauma. And mm-hmm. they did this to us. And now, though, I feel like I trusted them correctly because right. we're seeing something good and positive and loving. Yeah. It's awesome. And that means that when or if june or anybody gets there if we can import some canadians down to gilead (laughs) they can happen and we can see something good on this show which is what we all want yes but in the meantime should we talk about fred and serena (laughs) talking about things that aren't good Uh, you've gotten rusty you used to be so good at getting me to do what you want. But my eyes are open now. Fred, please, I just want my daughter back. Nicole is not your daughter anymore than she is mine. And if you think I'm gonna let you have her, and walk free, go start some new life. You are delusional. You know, I thought that once you were out of Gilead, once you were out of that uniform, that you would come back to yourself. I am as you made me, as you made us. As I have made us. Fred, you never once stood up for me. Not once. Not once you got a taste of power. I thought that was my fault. I thought that I deserved everything that you did to me. You know, I... I think I gave you too much freedom. these these two i still think they're just ugh, they're so horrible um you know and 
Serena's uh, getting examined because her lawyer thinks that showing her off as a victim of domestic abuse and violence will help help her. Um, but here's kind of that brainwashing. She doesn't see herself as a victim. Um, and she thinks the abuse was warranted. And I think that shows the brainwashing too, even though she helped create that society. And I like the way the nurse or doctor, I'm not sure which one it was, um, asks, uh, is just kind of asking her routine questions, but doesn't um, hesitate to kind of push back on the abuse. Mm -hmm. Like, this was the way it was, you know? And she pushes right back on her. And I like that. To me, um, the result of this, right, which is that we find out that she's pregnant, right, mm -hmm. is, was, again, I thought just brilliant writing because what I felt was that she was going through a rape kit and mm. that she had been a part of rape on June, right? Mm -hmm. and, and many other women, of course, through her writing and what she did to organize Gilead. Um, and now she had to go through it. And the result, though, is that she's pregnant by her husband, right? I know. So it's well, and she finds so out after she's telling Mark Tuello, I want to be separated. I want our our what I don't know the term she used. I want our our linkages to be separated as soon as possible because they just had that out in the, you know, they they had it out in the chapel, uh, which was brilliant. But um yeah, and then he's like, Well, you're pregnant, <laughs> you snotty little lady. <laughs> Congratulations. That, that took me by surprise what do you think about that as far as writing as far as kind of where this show can go and serena is going to be a mom a real uh, mom. i mean first i think damn what's a spawn of fred and serena joy going to be like you know these two raising a kid together um which was kind of june's greatest fear right as a mother um it makes me wonder if um how much serena will question this because she, you know the minute before she finds out she's pregnant she wants to cut all ties with fred um which is a situation many women have have probably been in at some point or they already have cut ties and find out they're pregnant and you know clearly he doesn't seem to have too much love for her anymore either based on the last conversation they had. It's, you know, he, he blames her for the situation they're in and what they've become just as much as she blames him. And, you know, so I think, it, you know, knowing them, they'll find a way to come together and make the best of it because they're so awful. And also, if they found a way back to Gilead, what a power symbol that would be that they were able to get pregnant naturally. And maybe that validates all the, you know, environmental improvements they've made to the society have helped heal whatever infertility they had before. Yeah, that's that. I like that. Yeah. Ah, 
That's very interesting. They could be a proof point, which is I had not thought. And, and they could also say that, you know, right, that their society did it and God too, right? Like it mm -hmm. just it's their dogma. Yeah, I just thought it was pretty shocking. My first reaction was a little bit, I was kind of, I didn't know if I liked it um, because I just don't want her to have a kid. <laughs> She's terrible. I know. Well, and Fred doesn't want her to have a kid either. Well, at least not, not Nicole anymore, but you know, he kind of seems like even before he said, I pity that child if she has, she was a mother. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what comes of this. Um, it's a possibility though, um, that she may not want to keep the child. I mean, I would find it hard to see her getting an abortion for sure. Um, clearly it didn't matter whose kid it was the first time. She didn't need it to be Fred's. She just needed a kid. So, yeah. you know. Thinking that at this point with what they've been through and with Fred and also how does that make her feel about her supposed child that she's so attached to that is June's next child. Right. Yeah. What happens there? I think that's another good change. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested because I would assume that Canada has legal abortion. Um, yeah, I think they do. Right. I mean, I know they do in real life, but I would assume in this world. Yeah. Do. Yeah. I just think it would be maybe an interesting thing for the show to tackle but i also think also there's the idea that if she does have this child she's going to be in jail and she's going to be taken away from her yeah so that's another thing does june end up raising her baby <laughs> oh that would be justice of a really weird uh yeah some meta justice there um, and it, to, to focus the whole thing with Moira, you know, with the, we've got to get the, them to sign this thing and we've got to find enough relatives. Like we're learning about how they're, what they're doing with the kids that came on this angel flight. Is that, that's what they're calling it, right? Yeah, angel's flight. Yeah. So perhaps that is in a way the writer's giving us a sense of foreshadowing to what kind of legalities might be involved with June ending up being somehow the only person related to them that they <laughs> you want to take the baby and then she's like sure and then she tortures it for its whole life <laughs> or it's a backdoor pilot for Damien the Omen the <laughs> honestly Damien came to mind when I thought oh my god this is child is literally the spawn of two devils <laughs> Serena and Fred um yikes um Anyway, um, why don't we wrap things up with heading back to the farm and um, heading back to the farm and to Jezebel's Pennsylvania style, which is, um, I don't know, I don't know. So um, we're back on the farm and guardians, of course, show up as they always do looking for that guardian Johnny that Mrs. Keys went 
um, all revenge on. Um, so they kind of know their time is up and they've got to, you know, move along somehow. And June gets taken out to this place. And at first I'm looking at this place and like, this is a huge mansion. Like this is the richest of the rich. And then we realize, oh, it's another Jezebel's. Um, and they even call it Jezebel's. Like there's no creativity. It's just, let's make a chain of brothels throughout Gilead and call it Jezebel's. That's about, you know, as creative as, as um, these commanders can get, I guess. Um, but of course they'd franchise it, you know. Um, <laughs> it's a successful model, you gotta. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, they've clearly thought through everything. But, you know, June's visiting one of the women that works there that's part of May Day and, you know, um, she knows a lot because she was in Boston. Uh, oh, Winslow. She knows that June killed Commander Winslow. That was his name. Um, I was like, where'd you get the knife? And she goes, I didn't have a knife. I did it with a pen, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny considering. And, um, you know, she's working on getting them to another safe house, but she also sees a whole bunch of commanders in military regalia showing up and um, the woman she's talking to, the, the Jezebel is, is saying, oh yeah, they're going to be here for a few days. And June's like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> that seems like an opportunity to me. <laughs> um, Brilliant. I loved it. And you know what I thought was weird? Um, <clears throat> I, I just want to say two things, just back going back on what you were saying. First of all, I felt that it showed just the route she took to get there. And then when she eventually met up with the woman there, what was the woman's name again? I don't remember her name, unfortunately. But um, it just to show you how frail this network is, you know, and how they, how she is, the people she's relying, it's so tenuous. Mm -hmm. She doesn't, and then when she ends up meeting this person, it is a person who has been very much beaten down, though still fighting on, right? Yeah. Trying to take part. So that just to me showed, I was like, wow. Then the other thing about the commanders, this, this to me smacked of um, some, uh, when you hear stories when um, people commit jihad, or they blow themselves up or some kind of bombing, you know, like even mm -hmm. not, where before they're given this like free reign to watch porno and have sex and right. Oh, yeah. Doing like it, it's such a strangely masculine uh, or toxically masculine culture that they have that their idea before they go off to this war, it looks like there's going to be a war, right? And it's some yeah. sort of- an they're going to Chicago because there's, Chicago is still the, still the United States, I guess. It's still free. Yeah, and that's where Nick had been, right? Or yeah, was going to go at, at one point or another, yeah. Okay, um, it's like a flashpoint and they're not like sitting down and making plans, being with their families like good Christian men. They're in a freaking brothel raping women you know, and it's, and drinking and partying. And I just think again, it's just like this whole adventures in the farm, 
<laughs> well, I mean, you you say, I mean, clearly these women aren't prostituting because they want to, which I, you know, people can argue whether prostitutes today have a choice or not. I think it's 50-50, you know, depending on how they got into it. But, you know, thinking back to Game of Thrones before the Battle of the Blackwater, you know, they're Braun and the Hound and everyone else are all in the brothel drinking. Sure. That's Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, but, you know, you said j just jihadist societies, but I think this right. is probably true of... You're right. You're right. Yeah. Any culture that the Vikings. men are going off to war. Yeah, it's like we're going to have our fill of drink and women and debauchery before we go off to war because it might be the last time we have to live it up. So we're going to live it up and then we might die. Very true. But it's definitely not wholesome Gilead, is, I guess was my. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it's yeah. not fair yeah. at all. And the reason why I think that I, um, the reason why I think I initially came to like jihad was because I see a lot of the same elements in Gilead. Yes. Yeah. And, um, but you're, that's a fantastic point. In another, in another respect, I might be cheering that on or laughing with it, but in, you know what I mean? But in yeah. this respect, I see it this way. That's that's yeah, that does make you think, and it and I think that that's makes it an even deeper statement, which is kind of like maybe in a sense the banality of not just evil but just like humanity, like ah, we just end up fucking and drinking anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, and then it kind of raises the question, and um, not to give away too much of a spoiler, but there's a key moment in in episode three where there's kind of a reveal about what Gilead really is all about. Um, yeah, see, that's, and that's, that's what we're getting to, right? I like that they're doing that, that they're, we, I mean, I can remember how long, how many seasons did we go before we even really saw what, uh, how long was it until we got the backstory? It, well, it was a couple, and it was the first season, Serena's backstory, right? Is that the second season? I can't remember, I can't remember if it was the first or the second. It, um, but it was very ambiguous. Everything yeah. worked and the hierarchy and what they believe and and you know. But it, we just see like the outer like tough wall. And now that we're you, we get more and more. This is what I think when when you first started covering this, one of the first things I was excited about was like, I want to know more about Gilead and see how they're interacting with the outside world. And, and now that's a constant thing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it really is. It makes the world feel so big now. They've done a really good job. And just in this season, even when we're in these little places like a farm or Jezebel's or whatever, when they go to Canada and then they go over here and then we're hearing, they're talking more about what's happening in other places yeah more successful world building it reminds me of game of thrones where they just casually drop a name or something yeah yeah well i think um what was it like we hear them talk about the republic of texas or something that maybe that's a free territory i think alma brings that up and you know we know chicago is still relatively 
free and fighting, um, so to speak, I think we'll see, we'll definitely see Chicago. I mean, we've seen Chicago in the backdrop, <laughs> the backdrop of the trailer, but we're going to Chicago this year. So that'll be very fascinating as well as what does freedom look like in Gilead that's still the United States, I guess, and they're hanging on to that with everything they can. Um, that's great. I, 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 it's uh, to me, you know what it reminds me a little bit of? The challenge that they've had is the same challenge that they had in the Mockingjay movies. Yes, yes. There's been a lot of similarities um, this year. I feel. How do we so far? How do we expand? Do do we take do we make a turn to like an action movie? I don't think that this show is ever going to do that. No. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, but I do. But I do think kind of the intricacies of rebellion um, are there. And then I think also kind of the, well, we're gonna talk about it right now, the use of poison. <laughs> um, you know, that's something in the Mockingjay movies that it was both kind of, you know, the, um, the Nightlock berries and then also President Snow using poison on, on his enemies. But, you know, we find out that Mrs. Keys has been kind of just low dosing her husband with nightshade you know, just kind of to keep them under control. <laughs> I mean, again, what 16 year old kid would have to be in a position where she is taught this to help help herself survive. But, um, you know, this feeds the idea June has, oh, this is how I can take out commanders. Okay, teach me how to make this young one. <laughs> I love this because I, I like the way it ties into, as you mentioned in the last episode, June using these remedies on herself, right? Mm -hmm. To get the penicillin. And I, I always like when they kind of um, give a nod to like the, the handmade subculture that developed, right? Yeah. Share things amongst each other. And um, I like the way, I like how quickly they did this too. As soon as you find out about the poison, you go, she's got to poison those people. And then she goes, I'm going to poison these people. <laughs> so mm -hmm. was, we didn't have this big buildup. We knew it was going to happen. It happens. And it was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was very well executed. Um, it was very well executed. Um, you know, and yeah, it, it went off pretty flawlessly. Unfortunately, when uh, they get back to the house, June and this guardian fellow that's been escorting her, they quickly realize something's wrong. Um, oh, and just to note, Mrs. Keys had convinced June to take her with them, uh, her new warrior child, which she'd agreed to. But they get back to the house and no one's there. And um, they are walking out and the guardian gets shot dead. June has like six scopes on her. You see all the little red dots and and then WTF, Nick is there <laughs> to capture her. Oh, <laughs> what do you think of that? I, I, I mean, I don't, I still don't know what to think. I'm going to go watch episode three as soon as my son goes to bed, <laughs> find out what happens next. Um, Cause this is not a show I can watch during the day. Um, right. But, uh, I, I don't know about Nick. Like, 
look, this dude was great. I mean, he loved her. He was doing his best, it seemed. And then other, and then later, we're not so sure. And then now I'm really not sure. He did lean down and say, I'm trying to keep you alive. Yes. Yes, he did. And I, I mean, for all, I, I don't know. For all I know, Nick could be a true believer that stumbled and is in love with her. He could be a mole waiting, biding his time to take out Gilead and rescue her. Mm-hmm. No, I'm completely confused happily, but the whole scene was brilliant. And for me, the thing that I like that I'm saying brilliant too much on the podcast, but this, this show is inspired. Me. Yes. <laughs> uh, say a different word. Amazing. No, I mean, yes, it is brilliant. Not yes, you're using brilliant too much. <laughs> I agree. It's brilliant and amazing. Yeah, I, I just love how they didn't show it was just the the cold, you know, sniper. Um, what are those called? Like uh, spotters or whatever, red marks on her. Yeah. You, know, you don't see anything in the way she hits the bullets with her foot. And it's just out in the clearing and all the lights are on in the house. Yeah. Just walks out. And you're like, what the fuck? And then he leans down, but then they kind of come in after. But I just thought the way too, as an actress, the way she, it was almost as if, and I used to, I know you did too, do a bit of acting. And you could feel the way she was allowing those red dots to like push against her body in a certain, like, it's almost like they were contorting her, you know? Mm, Yeah. It was really great. And uh, I have no fucking idea what the fuck's up with Nick. I hope it's good because I like him. But I wouldn't be surprised if he he did have conflicts. So yeah. I'd be surprised if he is a true believer and he just believes that he fell for her. I think this is another character that it's like, what's going to happen with this guy? You know, it's so interesting because we've, all along it's been focused on June and the changes in her and, and what it's taken to get her to this point. And now we're kind of seeing her impact, right? Like, you know, she got, you know, and, and even a little bit Commander Lawrence, he, he's gone through some changes both, I think, before he met her and after he helped Emily escape before he'd even met June, um, you know, and Lydia's been broken down Nick is in a position of power now. Um, you would think it would be easier, but sometimes you're a bigger sitting duck. You've got more of a target on your back the more power you have. So I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm. Wait, ex- you know, you just can't say. Well, uh, you saw one more episode than me. I did see one more episode. However, I. I don't think that is going to make it completely clear what his larger agenda is either. Um, But I'm excited for you to see episode three, but I will also say episode three, there's crying and podcasting because Mr. Wambacher and I actually recorded that episode yesterday. Oh, okay. And I cried twice. Oh, wow. Okay. And I don't think I've ever cried during a podcast before. And I have to say that 
episode three is the most I've cried in any episode of The Handmaid's Tale ever. And I watched it a few times to prepare notes and everything. It was very hard to wrap my head around. So I, I tortured myself by watching it more and I cried at the end every single time. Wow. Spoiler alert, you're gonna cry. <laughs> All right. Well, I then I'm definitely not watching it when my son is around. No. Oh no. This is this is number one, the number one episode to not have children watch. Well, that's interesting. All right. Well, hey, yes. not like I'm not ready for it with this show. So, I'm 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 st I'm sure it's still going to be brilliant, but and uh, I look forward to listening to you and John. It's great. I'm glad you had yeah. John. On. I look forward to the rest of this season. This has been an app. Do we have any? Are we are we wrapping it up? Yeah, I think the only thing I have left to say is also episode three is Elizabeth Moss's directorial debut. Nice. So, yeah, so that's that was also kind of compelling reason to watch it um, in spite of the tears. But yes, thank you again so much for hopping on with me to talk about episode two and um to all the listeners out there don't let the bastards grind you down please don't this was great oh wait i still want to say this was great it's okay great time <laughs> i don't want to ruin your ending this was a lot of fun yeah i really enjoyed talking about this show and being on the pod Peace.